0: Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, Demystifying HR and People Management. I'm your host, Susan Nay. Today, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to share some parts of my book, Leadership Inside Out, Effecting Change from Within. Now, my book is not an academic work but it is full of the wisdom and the lessons learned from my own and others' experiences from working within organizations for, well, many decades. So pour yourself a mug of something delicious and hot, get comfortable, and I'm glad that you're joining me for the next half hour or so. We're gonna start with lessons from the playground and a quote with Serena Williams. A champion is defined not by their wins, but by how they can recover when they fall. As I watch children play, I see behaviors that we don't even think about anymore. Lessons that have been ingrained in us for years. Lessons that many of us learned on the playground and continue to practice as adults. It all starts in the sandbox. A friend encourages me to sift sound through my fingers when I fear, feel poorly towards someone. She insists it will help me create more positive thoughts. I'm not certain that it does, but I find myself frequently heading towards that silly bag of sound. It's pretty full of my muck. Sandboxes have always been a place to figure out solutions. As children, we learned sharing. We created. We fought and made up. We loaned and borrowed, we discovered, we made memories to last a lifetime. I have a Zen box on my desk, complete with sand, stones, candles, and a small rake. I like to bury treasures in the sand so that unsuspecting visitors will delight at the unearthing of a, a coin or a treasure. I sense I have more visitors because of my playthings. Whether one likes to ensure that the sand is perfectly raked, or the stones more appropriately positioned, many find it difficult to ignore. It's important we not lose sight of the importance of play and the joy that we receive in discovery. Let's move to the teeter-totter. The teeter-totter, some call it a seesaw, was always fun until we learned the laws of physics. I grew in height and weight much sooner than my peers, So my physical difference became so much more obvious on this piece of playground equipment. The teeter-totter is about balance. We learned that we could manipulate that balance by placing our bodies at different distances from the fulcrum. We learned how to balance perfectly by doing this, even with different body weights. We learned how to completely topple our opponent by getting off quickly. We learned how to shake up our opponent by putting our feet to the ground before expected. Perhaps we were being carefully prepared for the organizational experiences we would one day encounter. Although initially quite content to just enjoy the ride, as we gained experience on the teeter totter, we learned how to anticipate our opponent's next move. We learned how to outsmart the intended moves. We understood balance and what worked with the individual we had partnered with. We laughed a great deal and we had fun in the process. And then there's the swing set. There was always a race for this favorite piece, of playground paraphernalia. Who could swing the highest? Who could jump the farthest without getting hurt? I don't remember ever being on a swing set without some sort of competition involved. It was all in fun. We took turns. We learned how to pump our legs. We helped others by pushing. We asked to be pushed. We graduated from, with swings, from swings with bars to those without. We graduated to more complex equipment. We felt the wind in our hair and the freedom of flying. As an adult, I continue to be lured to the swing sets. Unless my daughter is with me, I don't have to worry about swinging so high. There's no way I'm going to jump off now. So I no longer even are asked to engage in the earlier passion. And yet the same thrills exist. I continue to feel the wind and the freedom of flying through space with just a band of fabric and two lengths of chain. Contain me. It is a simple pleasure that time cannot erase. I took the lessons learned and integrated them into my life. I have not lost the joy in the process. Oh, and then there's the slide. Up, 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 we would go far into the air, perfectly positioned with a bird's eye view of the playground. Then within moments, we were back where we had started, lined up to do it again. We knew that we had to wait our turn. We supported and coached those who froze at the top. We chided those who did not follow the rules and tried to walk up the slide. We reminded friends who loitered at the bottom they needed to keep up with the pace where they might get hurt. Although by today's standards the slides of my day would rather stayed, we loved the rush. We challenged ourselves by climbing up to the top. We anticipated what the ride would be like. We learned patience and tolerance. As the slides got higher and more complex, we overcame our fear and just did it. We applied societal norms about etiquette. We helped when our friends were in trouble. On a recent trip down the slide in our neighborhood park, I was surprised by its height. As I maneuvered my adult body into a sitting position, I could only imagine how much higher this must must have felt as a child. It is strange that I once had the courage to go down face first or in other contortions linked with friends, completely oblivious to the fact that I was many feet up in the air. I am glad that I had the courage and the confidence to just do it at that point in my life. It is a good reminder to me to take chances and not play life quite so safe. Let's move to lessons from the forest. Nature provides so many lessons for us. If you look at the fronds on a fern, you will observe continually repeating patterns. Actually, nature, all of nature, is about patterns. My daughter Kate wrote the following poem when she was 11. Oh, the wisdom of children. There is so much clarity available through their innocence. A leaf whispers knowledge, and wisdom from its tree. The sun shines down upon it in the summer, and in the fall it paints the branches with its color. Then it will fall from its near tree and be admired by none but me. Still it will whisper and still it will quiver, but as the days wither, it will return to its early earthly grave. And in no way can you save this leaf, once soft and green. I listen and stand by this near tree, but the leaves have gone, the whispering ends, and there is silence once again. Thank you, Catherine. The seasons of growth are reflective of our personal journey. Like the leaf, we each live out the spring, summer, autumn and winter of our lives. Each season brings significant change. Each season brings different but exquisite beauty. The leaf bud tightly furled in the spring by winter provides nutrients for next season's growth. Organizational wisdom is captured in the hearts and minds of those with long tenure. Individuals frequently in the winter and the autumn of their lives. What incredible nutrients they provide, readily available to those still stretching to attain their full potential. What an untapped resource they offer as organizations struggle with skill shortages. Those in their spring and summer need to be provided with nutrients. We need to pull the weeds and the undergrowth getting in their way, shade or sun, moist or dry soil. We need to plant carefully so that the unique differences are recognized intended to Peter Senge in his book The Dance of Change shares that nature doesn't put its resources into one or two seedlings and expect them to take root it drops myriad seeds over as broad an area as possible most of them may die but enough survive to generate a whole forest the seeds that survive renew the forest they struggle through adversity. Moving the metaphor to organizational application, we can help ensure that more of these seeds, our employees, survive and thrive. Reforestation programs recognize that taking seeds and giving them all they need for a strong early start will increase the likelihood that those seedlings will regenerate. New employee orientation programs, employee buddy and mentorship programs, focused training, opportunities for personal and career growth, clear objectives and goals that are aligned with the mission of the organization, provision of a performance feedback, coaching, recognition, and appreciation all contribute to survival of these seedlings. What do you need to feel nurtured? And what obstacles might need to be removed so that you can find your sunlight? And if you're not able to make the required changes yourself, is there someone you could speak to for help? If you're an overseer of people, what could you do to help ensure that more seeds take root? Calling in creativity. And I start with a Chinese proverb. The man who moved a mountain was the one who began carrying away small stones. I've been creative in sharing stories and examples from nature. Leadership requires creativity. As Steve Jobs notes, creativity is just connecting things. When you ask creative people how they did something, they feel a little guilty because they really didn't do it. They just saw something. It seemed obvious to them after a while. We need to be seeing these connections and asking ourselves whether there might be a different way of approaching situations, of getting comfortable with doing things differently, of listening to the innate knowledge within our core, and not just what our heads tell us because our heads tend to rely primarily on past successes and conditioning. Cookie cutter solutions are great if you're a cookie. If we're encouraged to be creative, innovative ideas surface. New solutions arise to workplace challenges. We're frequently aware of processes and rules that get in the way of efficiencies. Creativity in the workplace is dependent on organizational culture and the employee's willingness, and past experience, in putting ideas forward. They'll either remain bottled up, stymied because although the idea was shared, perhaps no one was genuinely interested in connecting, or ideas will be celebrated and encouraged. I've watched employee suggestion programs encourage creativity and then deflate it. Why? Cumbersome review processes, lack of communication to those who submitted their ideas, perceived unfairness in compensation or decisions for implemented ideas, lack of follow-through, and lack of adherence to terms of reference. The list goes on. Programs need to be fully thought through before implementation, and if they can't be done with integrity, it's probably best not to start them. I've also seen the importance of assigning someone as champion to oversee and support the initiative and to free them from other responsibilities so they've got time to do this properly. I've seen how important it is to support risk-taking. Ideas may not work out. Projected savings may not come to fruition, If someone's punished for things not working out as hoped for, the individual and all others watching will pull back their willingness to take risks. Many of us hope for the opportunity to be creative and to put forth good ideas in our work environments. We get frustrated when we are caught in the web of fixes that may have fit years ago but are now no longer relevant. And too many organizations continue doing things the same way because it's always been done that way. Part of the challenge is that we don't have reflective time to step back and to look at these processes. As such, when old practices are challenged, these need to be viewed as gifts, albeit a forced opportunity to to make that reflective time. An example for you. A longstanding service recognition policy mandated the number of years of service that an employee needed before being entitled to a selection of gifts. The union recognized that one of their members at 24 years of service was not likely to be credited out for his 25th year because he was suffering from a significant illness and the policy didn't provide credit for time away on long-term disability. The union's request, this policy was reviewed and revised so that the individual received his 25 year award. The union's willingness to bring forward this policy benefited others not just the member immediately impacted by the policy. And through collaborative effort, the organization found a creative way to rewrite the provision in a way that costs could still be managed. The individual received his watch and wore it proudly until he passed away shortly after receiving his award. There are times in my career I've needed to be encouraged to be more fluid in my application of rules and policies. I think of IBM, we may never enjoyed the post-it note had an employee not found a different use for adhesive, and if the organization had not paid attention to a new idea placed before them. We never know where creativity might take us. Is there something that you could look at differently? Do you allow innovation and risk-taking in the work that you do? Do you enjoy being able to be creative in your work? And is there something that you could do to encourage more creativity in your life? And yes, after a number of these stories, I ask some reflective questions. I want to get your brain working. Leaving legacies. And I start with a quote from Wayne Dyer. Everything is either an opportunity to grow or an obstacle to keep you from growing. You get to choose. What's the one thing that you learned as a child that you still try to live by today? Being one of four siblings, I was taught to share. I was taught to take the cookie closest to me. I was taught to check with others before taking the last of anything. I was taught to say, bless you when someone sneezed. I was taught to use proper table manners and be respectful, especially to my elders. I was taught that once I had committed to one friend, even if something better came up, I could not bow out. I had to honor that commitment I had made. I've never forgotten those lessons. They are ingrained deeply in me and as values they represent integrity, generosity, politeness and respect. They're values I hope I have passed along to my daughter. I don't know how to live any other way. Thinking back to my childhood, I enjoyed experiences that I have passed along because of how much they meant to me. A favorite one is my grandmother's pretending that she would call Popeye, who was a cartoon character with big bulging muscles, if we didn't eat our dinner. She also hid candies in the woods, telling me that the fairies had left them for me. Walks with her to the bakery for special tea time treats left me with a love of walking (laughs) and a fondness for pastries. And time at the ocean with my grandpa, where he taught me to bob my homemade fishing rod up and down in hopes of snaring a fish, showed me how simple fun could be. Being read to as a child encouraged my love of reading. All these moments brought laughter and magic to my life. Actions create ripples and contribute to the values that we hold dear. I knew without any doubt that I was deeply loved by my grandparents Love is a value that I learned, particularly from them as a child. It is a value that I still try to live by today and how I treat others and how I expect to be treated. As far as I'm concerned, the Beatles had it right. Love, love, love. All you need is love. And they do much better justice to that. (laughs) Martin Luther King left a legacy in his actions and his I Have a Dream speech. He was a man who didn't just talk about what he wanted to accomplish. What about you? What legacies might you be leaving as you interact with the people in your life? What memories do you cherish that have helped define who you are today? What legacy do you want to leave? And what steps are you taking to ensure that this happens? Going to turn to be tenacious, and a quote from Buddha. In the confrontation between the stream and the rock, the stream always wins. Not through strength, but through persistence. A client used the word tenacious to describe herself in her resume. As tenacious was not a descriptor I've seen used before, I asked her about it. And I learned that her mother had, from the time that she was in the womb, credited her with this characteristic. My client never gave up. She always found a way to accomplish what she set out to do, including being born. The next day I noticed a sign on a building I'd driven by dozens of times over the year. Never, never, never give up. Apparently the phrase was borrowed from Winston Churchill. This I learned from a friend who knows the owner of the building, And as an aside, she said, you've apparently also never noticed the coaster beside my computer. It says the same thing. But given the owner of the building installs and monitors alarm systems, it was a phrase I had not expected on the wall of his business. Now, Tenacious reminds me of a dog with a bone or someone who doesn't know when to let go. I think of the business dealings that I thought were resolved only to be raised painfully again and again. But I also recollect my own quests to not let go of matters I truly believed in. I was persistent, strategic, probably a pain in someone's back end, and usually victorious because I cared enough to not let go. I'm not sure that never, never, never give up or let go works for me. Sometimes you have to lose the battle to win the war. And at other times, things just aren't that important. When have you been tenacious? One of you never, never, never let go? Was it worth it? Has been tenacious work for you? What did you learn from the experience? And would others use the word tenacious to describe you? Not sure? <laughs> Ask. Kindle with kindness. And a quote from Maya Angelou. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. So much of leadership is the how we do things, not the things themselves. I have shared in previous podcasts how much the support of two mentors I worked with in the union meant to me, Ed Seymour and Bill Howes. And in fact, during my first Christmas away from home, they made sure I didn't spend it alone and invited me to enjoy time and a feast with their families. I've never forgotten that gesture. And we we practice leadership through such acts of kindness. Kindness, you know when it's been bestowed upon you. And you feel good when you give it to someone else. It truly is what makes the world go round. Acts of kindness are around us every day. We just tend to focus on the other stuff. Newspapers report the sensational news, and as such, our attention is turned to the negative, the devastating. If we so choose, it is a choice. I walked a mile to support the Make-A-Wish Foundation, people of all shapes, sizes, and ages joined in the support initiative, an act of kindness for a worthy cause in their busy day. I figured I wasn't the only one who felt like I was getting so much more than what I was giving up by being involved in this initiative. What a wonderful feeling of camaraderie. Recently, my mom took a tumble and lost one of her hearing aids. We did our best to find it, but it was nowhere to be seen. In the process of looking through the grass and along the road, a number of people stopped to ask what we were looking for. I shared what had happened and requested if they happened to find it, if they could leave it on top of a nearby sign. Over the next few days, I continued my search, but nothing. Several days later at the usual place that I'd been looking, I remembered to look up at the top of the sign and there it was, as good as new. I could not believe my eyes. I rushed home to tell my mom and she was ecstatic. I penned a note and thumbtacked it to the place where the hearing aid had been left. The next day the note was gone and the thumbtack had been left. By finding our note and leaving the thumbtack there, person had actually given us a second kindness that of knowing that we had the hearing aid and that we appreciated their effort and kindness there are good people and good things happening around us every day it was exhilarating to experience this firsthand kindness is all around us someone just beside me just assisted an individual in a wheelchair by moving chairs for her so she could have easier access to where she was headed we do things for one another We bend down to retrieve a napkin that has fallen to the floor. We smile and connect with people. We share common experiences. I was sitting alone this morning and a a woman approached me and asked if I lived locally. She thought she'd recognize me, though she knew we didn't really know each other. I figured out, we both figured out why we looked familiar. From that point, a closer connection was established. She offered to lend me a book she thought I might find useful and shared knowledge of a subject area we were both interested in. I congratulated her on a success that she'd just received. We had become, in the matter of minutes, budding friends. It happens that quickly through acts of kindness. I attended a conference where I was introduced to the concept of random acts of kindness. They occur when you do something lovely for someone without their knowledge. As important, you also don't share with anyone else that you have done your good deed. So no one knows if your kind to act. Very difficult to do, by the way. Our egos tend to get in the way. Try it. Perhaps you will have an easier time with this than I've had. I keep working on it though. My daughter has no idea how her small acts of kindness bring sunshine to my life. Blown kisses my way, arriving unexpectedly to accompany me home. Making a meal for me, the list goes on. I cherish her gifts. I'm glad she's comfortable with this giving. She will model it for others. Little by little we can change this world of ours. It starts with just one. Smile, appreciate, love, respect. By treating others as you wish to be treated, you attract what you want. Pass it on. What have you done to be kind today? What have you experienced from others who have shown kindness to you? Have you ever paid it forward by doing something anonymously for someone? And if yes, how did it feel? And did you have any difficulty not telling anyone about your actions? Pay it forward. I start with a quote from Amelia Earhart. A single act of kindness throws out roots in all directions, and the roots spring up and make new trees. A new store opened in our neighborhood mall. Standing outside the entrance dressed in an exquisite kimono was a young woman welcoming potential customers. She was beautiful. I walked over and told her so. I could tell by the expression on her face that I had surprised her. I hope I made her day. Instead of just thinking about how lovely she looked, I took action. I took the time to share that the effort that she put into her presentation was seen and appreciated. She made a difference in my day. Her employer probably expected this of her. It is a Japanese store. I didn't leave it to someone who should applaud her effort. I took the initiative and did what I felt was the right thing to do. It might not have been what you would have felt comfortable with. Many years ago, a wonderful neighbor befriended my Nana-in-law As Nana grew older, she gradually required more care. This neighbor joyfully visited her at her care home, tending to her personal needs and being there for her, while my husband and I busily attended to our full-time university studies and part-time jobs. I remember telling her how much we appreciated all that she was doing for our Nana. I couldn't fathom how we could ever pay her back for her caring and kindness. Her words to me were, Pay it forward, Susan, explaining that someday it would be me helping someone who would not be able to return the favor, The life worked like that. Her words stayed with me, and now, with a few more years of life behind me, I have experiences that have cherished even more, because I have been able to both pay it forward and to encourage others to do likewise, just as our neighbor did for me. Can you think of a time when someone provided support to you that you knew you'd likely never be able to repay? What paying it forward action might you consider in your life that could help someone? I believe that we need to start doing life differently, including the hours that we spend at work. I want to work with organizations that are interested in making this shift. I just got off a call with a woman who offers her services as a humorist for corporate. She also facilitates an online networking group with sessions on topics like the vibration of love. I write about love in part five, self-care. I also write about the importance of play. Love, those who help us center our work in a deeper purpose, our leaders we cherish and to whom we return love, gift for gift, a quote by Margaret Wheatley. Love comes in so many different forms, random acts of kindness, flowers delivered just because, and cards sent out of the blue, time spent with a friend in need, care packages, watching over someone's house while they are away, quietly taking care of a chore for someone, words of encouragement, noticing and caring, things that cost nothing but need the world are ours to give one another. Love, it doesn't need to be partner stuff. And it's important to give ourselves love, self-love, being kind and generous to ourselves, Accepting ourselves, all of who we are, as currently perfect. Understanding who we are as unique and special individuals. Cherishing every morsel of ourselves, physical, spiritual, and psychological. And accepting those who are in our world with equal reverence and celebration. Love. Unconditional, trusting, real. What a difference such a shift would make. What a world we could create and pay forward every day and in every way. Can you start by loving you the way you want others to love you? They can't until you do, so will you? And as a leader, how might you be able to help others center their work in a deeper purpose to help find that love? And finally, the importance of play in our sharing of stories with you today. Not yet three, he was already the king of his mom's hair salon. Wandering between patrons, he organized and checked, moving hair straighteners and curling irons from their intended homes to our hands, finding hairpins and stuffing them into our already full fists. He was busy and intent. He loved being with his mom, being part of her life, helping. He brought smiles to our tired faces and delighted us with his deliberations and focused passion. He starts daycare tomorrow. He will miss his mom, the clients, and his work as he develops new friendships and discovers another world. He will likely never forget his beginnings as master of the salon, able to freely fulfill his wanderlust. He was truly happy And in being so, he brought happiness to others as they watched his glee. I walked away from my hair treatment, remembering my own unbridled passion, being encouraged and inflamed by the ones who loved me. No judgment, just pure play. It's a gift we can still give ourselves today if we're brave enough to just be. My stylist aunt had also been a hairdresser. She decided to try something different, but after a series of unsuccessful jobs and courses that left her unfulfilled, she realized that working as a stylist was what she yearned for. She returned to her roots, in a manner of speaking. She has felt fulfilled ever since, making that decision and completing the journey on her natural career path. Here I am, retired from a successful career as an HR professional. My own hands feel most free when I'm cutting pictures from magazines and reading and writing about subjects that might make a positive difference to the world. In my mind, I returned to the cubbyhole in my grandparents' unfinished basement where, as a child, I had my office and my grandfather's old ledgers. I collaged, wrote poetry, and received accolades for my creations from people who loved me unconditionally. I reveled in their encouragement and happily played out being the queen of my domain, I've never forgotten the bliss of being in that physical space and doing what I loved most for the people who loved me most. I watch other colleagues retire and rediscover latent talents. A university registrar has progressed to showing and selling her acrylic paintings at art galleries. A communications professional is now teaching others how to reuse old furniture and materials to create new really funky stuff. Another has picked up his guitar and is taking lessons something you just never made time for before. At a recent retirement function, I danced to the combined effort of oldsters who have created their own band. They were great. And those in attendance love the gift that they brought all of us through their music. Please don't wait to play until you've retired. What have you left behind over the years? When were you last that child totally absorbed in being your absolute best, completely unaware of the passing of time. Can you allow yourself the gift of finding that again? Play. I play by taking the years of experience and training that I've been blessed with through my career and paying it forward by hopefully being of service and making a positive difference. Doesn't that sound delicious? I sure hope you've enjoyed hearing a little of the book, my book, Leadership Inside Out, Effecting Change from Within. And as I said before, I want to work with organizations that are interested in making the shifts that I talk about in the book. And if that's you, we should talk. My contact information is on the show notes page for the podcast or on my website, www.affectingchangefromwithin.com. It's time to fly. It's a rainy day as I record this. I hope you've enjoyed your hot cup of cocoa or coffee, or perhaps you're out walking under an umbrella listening to the rain. Thanks for joining me today. Next week, another fabulous guest sharing their journey with us, and other nuggets for you to consider. Susan signing out. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review on whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com, or to my email, susanjeanay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.